morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. We're glad that you're here today. It's good to ha- have you here and to be in the presence of God and to be in the presence of God's people. It's always good to share this time together. We welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us. And we're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets that are on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take those and to fill them out. Uh, check the appropriate box on there and give us uh, the information that uh, you would like to give. And especially if you'd like to receive our email newsletter, please uh, put your email address on there and, um, and we'll get you on the list to receive that. It's a good way to keep up with the activities going on here at Community Baptist Church. Uh, it's, uh, how do you like this heat spell? <laughs> it's a cold day out there, and I understand we're going to be uh, uh, possibly facing a lot of snow and maybe some ice later on. And with that in mind, we're going to, be, we're going to start canceling things, folks. Uh, we're not going to be having our uh, worship meeting, a worship team meeting, and our missions meeting this afternoon. And we were scheduled for another God in the Movies night tonight. We were, I was all pumped for Chariots of Fire this evening. Uh, but, I, you know, we might need some chariots of fire to, uh, to, to heat the path home if we came here tonight. Uh, we just don't know exactly what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. So on the, um, we're going to uh, err on the side of caution tonight. And we're not going to be uh, having our, our uh, night at the movies this evening as well. However, we are planning to uh, continue... Um, uh, our Wednesday program, depending on how, how things go. And this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. So we will be having an Ash Wednesday service uh, this even, or this Wednesday. We'll have our regular Wednesday dinner. And then our Ash Wednesday service will be at 6.30 immediately after that. We are also scheduled to um, prepare uh, a meal and serve a meal at King's <coughs> Kitchen again this month on February the 24th. And so if you would like to be a part of that, either preparing some food uh, and or uh, helping to serve that food, uh, please see either Christine Cornelius or Jika Crafton, and uh, they'll get you signed up for that. It's a, it's a wonderful ministry, folks, and I think it's one that, uh, that many of us need to, uh, to be a part of, not only for the people that we help, but also for ourselves, because it, it, it enlightens us as to as to who these people are who, who so desperately need our help. Uh, one other announcement. Um, we will be um, starting a small, another small group March the 1st, and uh, Jika will be leading a discussion of the book, The Present Future. And it's a wonderful book. It asks six tough questions for the church. It's a really good read, and it will certainly be an interesting study. So if you would like to be a part of that study, uh, beginning on March the 1st, then see Jika and she'll sign, her, sign you up for that. Uh, Mary, I think you had some announcements that you would like to make as well. Sometimes it's just easier to read over or to t- kind of tell you what's going on in the children's part and at Henderson Christian Community Outreach. Um, when you have the time, if you want to read over the numbers in 2014, I, there's just no way to thank you all for what, how you've raised the bar at Christian Community Outreach. And I'm specifically talking about Senior Service Day. We had our second Senior Service Day this past Tuesday, and the first one was such a success with everybody here uh, just socializing with the seniors, providing the soup and chili. This is the site every Tuesday, uh, the Tuesday of Senior Service Day. However, other churches are jumping on board. This past Tuesday, it was Airline Baptist Church, and they provided sandwiches to the seniors. Um, It is a huge undertaking, and just thank you very much for the church. And some people don't realize that we have regular food pantry down at Christian Outreach four days a week. And you can see the numbers down there continue to increase. Um, In 2014, we provided food boxes, and by food boxes, our clients actually get to go through the line and select food for their families. We provided food boxes to 5,207 Henderson County families. That is not the 317 senior citizens that we serve out here on Tuesdays. Um, And in those homes, in those boxes, there are 9,796 adults and 5,600 
children. So a little over 15,000 Henderson County people are fed in the food pantry, not counting the senior service day. And when you read the amount of utilities, 435 families with utility funds, that is some of your funds also. And thank you so much. That's over $40,000 that Christian Outreach gave in utility funds. The rent funds, that's another $18,000. So thank you for what you do for uh, Christian Outreach and Senior Service Day. You all are a huge blessing. Um, fun things now. Uh, Dr. Tim's been talking about spiritual gifts. And no doubt in this church we have so many talented people. And I'm not going to take the time to announce every one of them. But I do want to make a special announcement. And I'm going to have Jill Taylor and Gracie Pyle stand up. No, you don't have to talk. But you do have to stand up because you guys have came on board here and you have just taken over. And we appreciate that. Today, if you're interested, Gracie and Jill have designed these beautiful bookmarks. I didn't ask them to. They just came with their spiritual gifts, and they will be on display over here. They're $5 a piece. If you still need to buy a Valentine gift or maybe something for an Easter basket and you need a beautiful bookmark, please take a chance. Gracie and Jill will be over there after church. And last but not least, a fun thing, if there's any children, youth, anybody that wants to go to Disney on Ice next Sunday, February 22nd, the van will be here at 4 We'll be loading up and going to the 5 o'clock show on Disney on Ice, and that is for uh, the 5 o'clock show. So I just have to know by tomorrow at 5 who needs tickets. Thank you, Dr. Tim. Thank you so much, Mary. Appreciate that. Uh, one other thing I need to uh, call to your attention today, and this is not, a, not an easy thing. Um, I, I'd like to read a letter to you for, from Allie um, uh, because she doesn't think she can make it through herself, so I'm going to read this for her. Uh, Decisions are not always easy to make, she says. Sometimes they are very painful and difficult, and often they require prayer, especially when they are tough. Recently, I have had to make some difficult decisions in order to be the best minister I can be. And sadly, after much prayer, I feel that God is leading me to step down from my position as youth minister here at Community Baptist. While the last year has been rewarding for me as I have led the youth and served the church in this capacity, I believe I am not able to give the time needed or that the youth deserve. Since accepting the position, my time commitments with work and my personal life have changed greatly. With these changes, I do not have the time to commit to build and sustain the youth program. This does not mean, this is the good news, this does not mean that I'm leaving the church. There's the good news. Uh, And rest assured, I will still be here participating. I'm not resigning as a deacon or from the choir. I will still be here for worship and Bible studies and other activities. I just can't commit to being able to provide the time the youth deserve. This has been a very hard decision for me to make, and I personally have spent much time in prayer over it. I believe it is best for me to step down from this position at this time for the greater good of the church, the youth, and myself. I love you all and thank you from the bottom of my heart for the love and the support that you have shown me over the past year. Many blessings, Allie. Uh, this, of course, is, is hard news for us, and uh, I, I wouldn't, say, wouldn't say we're going to miss you because you're still going to be here. She's not going. Oh, where is she? There she is. Thought you didn't quit the choir. <laughs> I was looking for you here. Uh, she, she's not going anywhere. She's she's committed to that. We are her family, her church, her her community of faith, and and we are glad to continue in that role and to have her continue in that role as one of us. So uh, we're not going to miss you, but we're going to miss you in the, in this role that you have served so well in over the past year. So we are we are very grateful for your ministry and look forward to uh, to more great ministry in your life and more blessings for you, Allie. So I, uh, I share that with you and, and offer our love and our prayers for you and our blessings on you. Uh, that was bad news, but there is much good news. Jesus Christ came for us, and so we need to sing of that now.
Let's sing our song of gathering, Tell the Good News, number 566. Holy One, we long to enter into your presence as we embrace the holiness of this hour and experience the joy of being together as a community of faith. Calm our troubled minds and grieving hearts and restore us with your forgiveness and compassion. Let us begin to enter into the experience of Jesus and the three disciples who became eyewitnesses to the transfiguration. Let us climb the mountain with them, leaving behind our everyday concerns for just a little while. Let all of us, let all of our senses focus only on Jesus. Let nothing block us from the presence of Christ. Let us let anything that would distract us from the light of this revelation fall away from us. Show us your glory, O Lord. Oh, that we could have been there to see for ourselves the Lord's radiant appearance. To hear that voice coming from the clouds. You are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. We long, oh God, to have that kind of intimate relationship with you. Just as the disciples did. But we, like them, also want to keep Jesus for ourselves. And also, like them, we do not want to go back down to the plain and face rejection and humiliation and suffering. We much prefer our comforts, our successes, and our achievements. We hold on to our pride and our self-centeredness. And we confidently sing, yes, we are able to be crucified with you, but we are not able. For we have so much fear. We are afraid of being changed on the inside, giving up our old ways of thinking and acting, 
We are afraid of what life would be like if we became a new creature in Christ. And so we close ourselves off from the glory of Your presence. Well, Lord, as You broke through in the world of Your early disciples, break through to us today. As a community of faith, show us where Your glory is to be found, not only on the mountaintop, but among Your people, working with the poor, bringing recovery of sight to the blind, freeing those who are imprisoned and oppressed, binding up the brokenhearted, reaching out to those who suffer in the world. Show us how to live our lives that we may glorify You, O God. And now let us focus on the radiance of Jesus' presence. And let us work for a world that is transformed by the glory of His love and justice. In the name of Christ, the crucified and risen Lord, we pray. Amen. Will you join me in today's responsive reading, which is entitled, Revelation. The word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there were no frequent visions. We cover our ears, we hide our eyes, we fall back to sleep. How will we know God's word for today? In the middle of the night, and in the brightness of the day, be attentive to the voices that call your name. If we ever catch a glimpse of the immortal, invisible God, how will we begin to tell the one who is hidden from our eyes? The Word has become flesh and dwells among you, full of grace and truth. Let us see the continuing revelation of the God who speaks to us in creation, in silence, in words, and in Jesus Christ our Lord. Good morning. 
I will be reading Mark 9, verses 2 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. have a seat. Can you hear me okay? Good, good. Did you have a good Valentine's Day? When was Valentine's Day? Yesterday. Oh, wow. Did somebody give you a, a, a heart or a Valentine's card or candy? They did. Well, here, I'm going to come up here closer. Come on, go. Come on down here. Oh, we got two? Okay. All righty. Here's another one. Here's another one. Here's one for you. Rachel cut these out for me. Aren't they nice? These are... Uh-oh. Here we go. There's another one. Well, what is Valentine's Day? What is that about? Do you know? What? I'm sorry. It means we love people and people that we like, right? Right? That's right. That is right, isn't it? I'm going to ask a couple of friends to come up. Uh, Miss Mary and Miss Chris, Mr. Chris, y'all come up here for a second. You know, you know, it's always nice. You know, God, uh, Jesus told us to love our enemies, didn't he? You know, love our enemies. But right now, I, I'm giving hearts to my friends, aren't I? Now, do you think they they don't look very happy? I think they're my enemies. I don't think they're, <laughs> you know, because I'm not giving them my heart. Hmm. Well, what should we do? Do you think if that we should just, people that are enemies, just don't love them, just leave them, just ignore them? No? Well, what do you think we ought to do? Give them a heart. But what if I don't want to give them a heart? I'm being mean. Well, you're right about that. <laughs> I'm being mean. But look at them. Are they? They're not happy with me, are they? What do you think would happen if I were to give them a heart? Let, let's let's see here. Let's see. How about that? Should I give Should I give Mr. Chris a heart, please? He's looking mad. He's awful mad at me. He's awful. All right, we'll give him one too. Oh, now we're now they're my friends. They're not my any enemy anymore, right? And that's what the heart does. Jesus says, "Love our enemies, whether we want to or not." But I, these are two of my favorite people, so I really do love them. They're just pretending. Let us uh, have a prayer, please. Let us pray. Dear God, we know you want us to learn to love all people, even our enemies. That's pretty hard to do, so please fill us up with your Holy Spirit and help us to know your great love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.
Will you bow your heads and pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, Yahweh, thank you. Thank you so for loving us so much. You take our earthly, human, unclean, broken spirits and put those pieces back together into something beautiful in a way only you, through your loving grace, can do. May we always remember your sacrifice for us and give you our best. Bless these tithes and offerings. Help us use these to serve a world in need. In the Lord, of, in the word of our Lord and Savior, Amen. Amen.
Thank you so much, Marilyn. You you are so talented, and we're always happy when you come to us and share your talents with us. It's always a blessing to us, so we're grateful for you. So today we are celebrating the transfiguration of Christ. But here's something that uh, for you to think about. Did you know that the word, um, the Greek word for transfiguration is the word metamorphothē? which, of course, is the source of our word metamorphosis. You've heard this word before, and I'll bet some of our children could tell us all about metamorphosis uh, if they've been studying in school some of their biology. But a dictionary uh, defines it as a transformation, a complete change of appearance and form. And, of course, the best example that we have of metamorphosis is the transformation of a caterpillar into a butterfly. That process has thrilled people all throughout the ages. Butterflies are are beautiful and fascinating. And because of their beauty, butterflies are often seen in works of art. Here's a butterfly that sits on my desk every day, all the time. Uh, It was a a cherished gift to me from my my friend Sammy Williams. And so when I look at this butterfly, I admire its beauty, and I remember my friend Sammy. But, you know, it's hard to believe that this beautiful butterfly used to be an ugly caterpillar. And because of this mysterious process by which they are changed, butterflies are often seen as a symbol of, of new life. In ancient Japan, a butterfly was seen as a personification of a person's soul, whether they be living or dying or, or already dead. And one Japanese superstition says that if a butterfly enters into your guest room and perches there, the person you love the most is coming to see you. A chi- in a Chinese culture, uh, two butterflies flying together symbolize love. And some people say that when a butterfly lands on you, it means good luck. I heard an old story about two caterpillars watching a cocoon when suddenly it burst open to reveal a, a beautiful butterfly stretching out its wings and it flies away. And one caterpillar turned to the other one and said, you'll never get me up in one of those things. <laughs> Well, you know, in the wonderful way that God has created the world, that caterpillar will sooner or later get up in one of those things. But I think it's interesting that the term referring to the transfiguration of Jesus should also be the term describing the metamorphosis of a butterfly. Maybe this can help us appreciate how dramatic the change in Jesus' appearance was on that day of transfiguration. Jesus took Peter and James and John up on a high mountain when suddenly and quite dramatically Jesus was transfigured right in front of their eyes. Suddenly his his clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And a light shone around them as if it were lightning. It was an amazing scene to behold. And, And if we could visualize it in our minds, we would experience a tremendous sense of awe. It reminds me of a similar scene in the Old Testament when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. We are told that that Moses came down the mountain having been in the presence of God, 
and his face shone so brightly, reflecting the glory of God, that he had to wear a veil. His face was so radiant that the people were afraid to come near him. And in the same way, when Peter and James and John were on the mountain with Jesus, and he was transfigured. But that's not all. Not only did the disciples see the brightness surrounding Jesus and his altered appearance, they also saw two of the Old Testament's premier figures, Elijah and Moses, standing there with Jesus. This was more than the disciples could process. And so Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Mark tells us that Peter didn't know what to say. He was so afraid. And that is so much like Simon Peter. Simon Peter never missed an opportunity to open his mouth and plant his foot right in it. Maybe if it happened today, Peter would have asked Jesus if he could post some pictures on Instagram. And I could just hear him now. Master, would it be all right if I take a selfie? Peter had no clue what he was saying. But that's all right. This was beyond his understanding. And then, as if things had not gotten mysterious enough, a cloud appears and a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Now, I don't know about you, but if I heard a voice coming out of cloud, I think I'd run in the opposite direction. But these three disciples were probably already in a state of shock because of all that had happened already. Jesus transfigured right there in front of them, Moses and Elijah there in their presence, and now this voice from the cloud. This was more than they could take. And then suddenly when they looked around, they noticed that Moses and Elijah were gone. Only Jesus was there with them. And I think that that's significant. Because, you see, Moses and Elijah represent the law and the prophets. And so after God announced that Jesus is God's son, Moses and Elijah disappear, and Jesus is standing there alone. It is as if God were saying, the law and the prophets have served their time, but Jesus, who is the fulfillment of both the law and the prophets, remains. The law and the prophets have served their purpose, but the time of the Messiah is now at hand. What a magnificent event this transfiguration was. And only Peter and James and John were there to, to witness it. And we don't really know why this honor was accorded only to them, unless, unless the answer could be found in the last verse of Mark's version of this story which says, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. It could be that if the other disciples had been there, they wouldn't have been able to keep this a secret. And it's true, the more people who know about something, the harder it is to keep it a secret. One of them would have undoubtedly gone home and said to his wife, you will not believe what happened to me today. And then the next day, the wife is going to phone her best friend and say, listen, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but you know how it goes. Salvation's story had not yet run its course, and there were it was essential that some things not yet be revealed. And so only Christ's three closest associates beheld this glory on the mountain that day, and they were sworn to secrecy until after his death and resurrection. What a wonderful experience. The disciples were confronted with Christ in a new and exalted way. But I think the most important part of this scene was when the voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. Listen to him. And I think that that voice that came from the cloud that day was as much for you and me as it was for Peter and James and John. This is my Son whom I love. Listen to him. 
Listen to him, first of all, when he tells us what is critical in life. And what is that? What is critical for living the Christ-like life? Well, I think you already know. Love for God and love for our neighbor. Listen to this, folks. Everything else in life is secondary. We love God and we love our neighbor. And we love our neighbor because we love God. So what does that love look like? Well, let me tell you about a young lady named Hope Stout. When Hope was 12 years old, she was diagnosed with a rare form of bone cancer, and she came to the attention of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, which is an organization some of you are are surely familiar with. It, It works to provide joy to children who are diagnosed with terminal illnesses. And so the Make-A-Wish Foundation contacted Hope about fulfilling one of her wishes. And in a moment of selflessness that is simply awe-inspiring, Hope wished for just one thing. She wished that every kid on the Make-A-Wish list would get their wish granted before she did. That was her wish. She wished that every kid on the list would get their wish before she did. Amazing. She wished that every kid would get their wish before her. And so inspired by Hope's example, the organizers at Make-A-Wish kicked it into overdrive. They raised funds. They gathered volunteers to fulfill the wishes of 155 children who were on the list ahead of Hope. And they had almost raised enough money to grant every child's wish when in January 2004, Hope passed away. But folks, let me tell you something. Her example still inspires that organization today, and and they've named a fundraising uh, time after her. And they work diligently to see that every child gets his or her wish fulfilled as soon as possible. Now, why does she do that? This little girl could have asked for almost anything that she wanted. So why did she give it all up for the sake of others? Well, folks, in Hope's selfless, extravagant, loving decision, we catch a glimpse of what God's ultimate plan for all of humanity is all about. Love God. Love your neighbor. So listen to Jesus when he tells us how critical this is in life. Then also listen to him when he explains to us who our neighbor is. And Mark, tried, Mark did that just a few moments ago with our children. You see, our, our neighbor is not just the people in our family. Our neighbor is not just the people in our neighborhood. It's not just the people who look like us or even think like us. Are you ready for this? Everyone is our neighbor. Everyone. How many of you seen, have seen the movie The Hunger Games? Yeah, a, a number of you have. The, the plot revolves around a, a horrible contest fought between young representatives of 12 futuristic districts. And the winner of The Hunger Games is the last one standing as the contestants are forced to kill each other off to, in order to stay alive. When the authorities came to choose the contestants, one boy and one girl from District 12, the name of Primrose Everdeen was drawn. But as the authorities were leading Primrose away, her older sister Katniss suddenly intervened and shouts Prim's name. Well, the guards stopped Katniss from approaching Prim, but Katniss shouts, No! I volunteer! I volunteer! I volunteer as tribute! And so Katniss became the representative for District 12 in this fight to the death. Katniss provides us with a moving example of courage and sacrificial love. I mean, after all, she voluntarily substituted herself for another human being. But it's also an understandable substitution. She did this for her little sister. It's admirable. 
but it's the kind of thing that we would hope that we would all do for our younger siblings or our children or our spouses. But Jesus' substitution doesn't work like that. You see, he takes the place of people like the cowardly disciples, the scheming religious leaders, the spineless politicians. He takes the place of people like the murderous Barabbas. He takes the place of people like the cursing criminal on the cross next to him. You see, people are the reason that Jesus drank the cup of suffering on that cross. Paul tells us that God demonstrated God's love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But not just us. He died for everyone. Even our enemies or our neighbors. No one is shut out. So listen to him. Listen to him as he tells us what is critical in life. Love for God and love for our neighbors. And listen to him as he defines who our neighbor is. Our neighbor is everyone. And finally, listen to his promise to us. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. That's what he told us in John. And this is to say that Jesus' transfiguration prefigures what we shall someday be if we give our lives to him. We will be transformed from lowly caterpillars into beautiful butterflies. In 1949, John Currier was sentenced to life in prison. And Currier, who could not read or write, was later transferred from prison and paroled to work for a wealthy farmer. Well, in 1968, Currier's sentence ended, and the records in the Department of Corrections showed that a letter was sent both to Currier and to the farmer, but somehow it never got there. And so a year went by, and then another, and then another, and then another. Ten years after Courier's sentence had ended, the farmer passed away, but Courier just kept on working, serving out his time. He was only given a little money for his personal needs, $5 a week at first. He slept in a, in a drafty old trailer and took his baths in a horse trough with a garden hose. Life held little joy for him and no promise. But one day a state parole officer learned of John's plight and told him about the missing letter. He had lost more than 10 years of his life because he failed to get the message that he had been freed. My friends, have you gotten the message that you have been set free? Have you gotten the message that you too can be transformed? Listen to him. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. He's talking about you and me here. Listen to him. Whoever you are or whatever you've done, transformation is possible. Listen to him. Quit living like a caterpillar. Allow him to turn you into a beautiful butterfly. We are not called to remain in the state that God found us in. We are called to feed upon the word of God and to grow. So let God transform your life today. Amen. We've come to that part of our service when we will observe the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, communion. And we invite everyone to be a part of this. God's table is open to all who, uh, all who come to the Lord's table. Everyone is welcome here. I have never seen uh, Jesus turning anywhere, anyone away, and neither do we. So all are welcome to partake of the Lord's Supper today. I'd like to ask our deacons to come and, and begin preparation for that.
and I'll uh, kind of give you instructions about how we will do this. We will begin on our back rows. We have the, uh, the bread and the cup here, and we'll begin on our back rows and come down the middle aisle, and someone will be on either side with a plate of bread and the, and the cup of juice, and um, you can come and take a piece of bread and then move to the side and dip the bread into the cup, into the juice, and then eat it. And after you do that, then return to your seat along the sides there. Uh, if there's someone who is not able to come forward or who prefers a traditional uh, method of, of uh, communion, then you can remain at your seat, and we have some deacons who will come to you and serve you where you are uh, so that you too can partake in the Lord's Supper. Uh, it is good to share this time with each of you and to share this time with our Lord as we commune with God together. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread, and after giving thanks, he broke that bread and said, this is my body, which is given for you. And in the same way, he took a cup, and he said, this is the blood of a new covenant. I'm doing something new for you today. The law and the prophets I have come to fulfill, but now something new is, come, is happening. It is a time for the Messiah to take his place. It's a time for God's law to be written upon our hearts, as Jeremiah told us. Not necessarily only in the, in the pages of Scripture, but upon our hearts as the Spirit of God leads us. This is the blood of a new covenant. Something new I'm giving to you as we accept the life of Christ as we recognize what his death means to us, it means to us salvation. He took this and he gave it to his disciples. He said, do this as often as you do it. For as often as you take this bread, as often as you drink this cup, you remember me. You remember the Lord's death until he comes again. Would you come and celebrate communion with our Lord and remember the transforming power of his death and resurrection? Would you come? The body of Christ for you, Mike. This is the body of Christ for me, Marilyn.
God's love is amazing. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And in doing that, He transformed us from lowly caterpillars into beautiful butterflies. Sprout your wings, folks. Fly. Soar. Be an object of beauty for the world who needs you. Let us sing together our closing hymn, number 275, I Surrender All. God now send us back down the mountain of our worship experience and may we as the disciples of old leave this place as changed human beings we cannot be silent anymore we have seen the light of God's glory and now God bids us to go and to share the radiance of God's love let us do that in the name of our Lord who transforms us Amen Thank you.